Well, again, I'm a one-man show, apparently. I, I texted Brother Bob yesterday. I said, you going to be at the fairgrounds or you going to be at Pryor? And he said, I'm going to be at the fairgrounds. I said, well, I, I miss that good guitar uh, playing, but uh, I know he'll be a blessing out there. So uh, we're going to look in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter number 11. Always an honor and a privilege to be here in Pryor and... Uh, starting to get to know more and more of you. I know I'm not real good with names, but I'm starting to remember some of your names and uh, maybe your faces, though. And uh, don't you hate it when somebody, when somebody comes up to you and says, says, don't you know who I am? Don't, 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 you, don't you remember me? And if, if I remembered you, I probably would have already said something about it. I remember, I remember the, one, one lady come out uh, the door one time when I was passing. She come out the door and she said, said, uh, don't you remember me? And I said, you know, I said, I sure can't place your face, but your breath sure smells familiar. <laughs> but, uh, no, nah, I'm recognizing faces now at least, even if I don't know your name. Uh, it's good to see you. Uh, some of you, I think you've been here just about every time I've been here. And it's a blessing to come back a month or two, three months later or something and See the same folks still sitting there faithful in the Lord's house, still serving the Lord. So uh, we're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 11, and uh, I'll try not to keep you too long this morning. And uh, I don't want to wear out my welcome. And uh, I don't usually preach anywhere very fast, though I'm, I've never been known for being short-winded. It's, it's not that I have so much to say, it just takes me a while to get it said. And uh, I'm, Brother Rob, he can get up there and he can say more than 10 minutes than I can say in two hours. But, uh, but we, uh, man, he, here a while back, a few months ago, I, I was, when he was, was when he got back from his vacation. I, uh, he had me scheduled to preach down Tahlequah, and then he ended up coming back. And so he was there, and he said, man, said, he said I'm just going to let you preach tonight. He said, I'm still on vacation. I'm going to sit down and listen to you. And, I, man, I, I told him, folks, man, I said, I don't mind preaching when he's not here. But I said, I hate, I hate filling in for Brother Rob when he's here. And I said, I, I feel like we're all crowding into a 1973 P. Green Ford Pinto when you got a Corvette sitting over there in the garage. And, uh, but uh, anyway, that, we, we, we preached something anyway. We preached from the Word, and it, it, it might have been, been old Ford Pinto, but, but it, uh, it come from the Word of God. It's still good, and uh, God spoke to hearts from it. But uh, Deuteronomy chapter number 11, verse 26 <clears throat> I'd like to preach to you for just a little bit this morning on obedience brings blessings. Obedience brings blessings. You know, the truth that obedience to God brings blessings is one of the first principles in understanding what it means to be a child of God. And so we're going to look here in Deuteronomy 11:26 through 29 and see what God's Word has to say. It says, Behold, I set before, before you this day a blessing and a curse. A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day. And a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which you have not known. And it shall come to pass, when the Lord thy God hath brought thee unto the land whither thou goest to possess it, that you shall put the blessing upon Mount Gerizim, and the curse upon Mount Ebel. 
And this morning, God's telling us here, we have a choice. He says, you got a blessing or you got a curse. And I'm going to teach you this morning from the Word of God that if you'll obey what He says and you'll do what God's told you to do and you'll obey, then you'll have blessings. But if you rebel and you don't do what God says and you disobey God, God's already said you're not going to have the blessings, which the, the uh, antithesis of that is you're going to have a curse. And, uh, you know, failure to understand this principle, I believe, is many a uh, times a failure uh, to implement it in people's lives means to forfeit God's best in your life. And uh, number one this morning, do you really believe and love God? I mean, this morning, how can you know that you truly believe God and you truly love God? Well, First John chapter number 5, we're going to look there real quick. First John chapter number 5 and verse 1 through 3. It says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loves him, that begat loves him also, that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous, or the New King James says, or burdensome. It says here that, We can know that we love God, and we can know that we trust God if we keep God's commandments, because that's proof that we love Him. Now, just as true is the opposite of this truth, that those that do not obey God, you don't really love Him. You may say that you do, and in some shallow way, you may really believe that you do, but you don't truly love God like you ought to. If you're not going to obey him. The whole book of First John is addressed to those that profess to know Christ Jesus as Savior. And if I, anytime I've dealt with someone that maybe questions their salvation, they want to make sure that they're saved, I always point them to First John because the whole book of First John is about how we can know that we're truly his disciples. How we can know that, we, that he truly is our Lord and Savior. I mean, it is really a book that tests us. It tests our faith by our actions. But the Word says those that love God are going to obey God. Those who trust and have faith in God will obey God. Have you ever thought about your trust in God in this way? I know we use a lot of religious phrases. And, you know, we've, if you've been in church very long, you've learned the Christian lingo. And we kind of know how to say all this stuff, you know, but... We'll use phrases like trust the Lord and have faith. And, but how in practical terms can we look at those words and see what they mean and know what they mean? Well, let's say you, you go to the doctor and he tells you that you have a particular medical problem. And so you go and you take the medicine that the doctor prescribes in the dose that he prescribes then that's proof that you have faith in him. Because that doctor told you something about yourself, you believed him, and you, and you obeyed. You did what he said to do. Because you felt like he was going to help you get better. So if you did what the doctor told you to do, that's proof that you have faith in him. Now, I'm, I'm part, I work for, you know, I work for uh, ODOT, and... Uh, 
it's a part of our insurance, our, our state insurance uh, plan offered a, a program. They had a, they sent out an email and asked us to do a little survey, and, and uh, I did the survey. I should have kept my mouth shut, but I did a survey, and I answered it correctly. And so, and of course, I, I knew I was pre-diabetic. Doctors already told me that. But uh, basically, they have, they have a group to try to prevent going into diabetes, which I really do want to do that because I've, I'm getting close to going into diabetes if I don't uh, lose some weight and change some lifestyle habits and things like that. But uh, anyway, uh, so they, they invited me to join this group. And the ins- it must be expensive because the insurance pays for it. I don't want to cost me anything. But uh, out of all the people that work at ODOT, I guess they only got four of us to uh, be a part of it. So I guess everybody else just wants to be a uh, – they, they just want to be like they are right now, I guess. But I, this, as four of us want to get better, I guess. So we have a – we have a weekly Zoom meeting on a video conference on Zoom every week, and the lady that's ahead of it is a professor out at the college at Weatherford, and she's a she's a pharmacist, but she's a professor there at the college. And so uh, every week we get on there, and we uh, we have to turn in our weekly weight, and and then now they're starting to have to we have to track our activity, and and uh, you have to put how many minutes. Well, they want us to have 150 minutes of work. Like working, she said, working out or doing some kind of exercise. She said, moderate exercise, and said, how you know it's moderate is if you can't, said, if you can't sing a song or you can't carry on a conversation because you're out of breath, whatever. Said that's considered moderate exercise. I said, well, how many minutes do I get for bending over and tying my shoes because I can't breathe when I'm doing that? I said, I can't even hardly breathe, much less talk or sing when I'm doing that. But. uh you know, she gives us all this advice and tells us what to do, you know, and I worded, I mean, and things was going good. I was losing weight and a little bit. They want us to lose about a pound a week, and I've been losing some, and, and uh, now we're having to track our food. We have to put, and she said everything. If you're fixing, you're fixing lunch and you, and you lick the spoons, and you got to figure out how much of that, you got to keep everything, everything matters. She said, she said, you, you can forget to write down a, you know, a, a glass of sweet tea and you done messed up your calories for the day by, you know, two or three hundred calories and said you're not going to have the right count of how many calories you've had if you, if you leave anything out. And so, uh, man, our meeting this week, I just, I, I was going to be driving at the time of the meeting. I just, I just messaged her and sent her an email and I said, well, I'm not going to get to be able to be in the meeting today. I'll be back next week. But I said, uh, I said, We've been shut in the house. I only worked two days less past week. And I've been in the house. And I said, I said, we've been in survival mode. We've been eating everything in the freezer and everything. We, I'm, we, we thought electricity might go out and electricity go out. We don't want that stuff to spoil. So we won't try to eat it. And uh, so I said, I'm not even going, I'm not even going to take part in that meeting this week. Cause I, and cause I was kind of embarrassed. I didn't want, I didn't, I hated to tell her how much I'd gained. I gained about two pounds really, but, uh, I hated to have to admit I gained two pounds, and I was on my phone instead of the computer, and I hit the reply button. When I replied, I ended up replying to everybody in the whole group, so now everybody knows my weight. But but I said all that to say this. I can hear all the advice she's got. I mean, she's got all the she's got all the titles, and she's got the doctorate, and she's got all this stuff that she's been to school, and she's to show she's got the credentials to show me that she knows what she's talking about. But if I take everything she says, and I don't do anything that she's recommended that I do, then probably about a year from now, I'm probably going to be diabetic because I didn't listen to her. But if I, if I do those things that she says, then that shows that I have faith in her, I've got trust in her, that she's given me good advice, and that if I'll do what she says I should do, that a year from now, then I'll weigh less, and hopefully I will have kept myself from going into diabetes. And that's how it is with the Lord. 
I mean, if you'll do what the Lord says that you ought to do, that shows that you have faith in Him, shows that you trust in Him, but all that also shows that you love Him. Now, God's our Creator, but do you really believe that? Proof that you do will be that you'll trust Him and you'll do what He instructs you to do. If you don't obey what God said, then that's proof that you really don't believe or trust in Him. I mean, you can believe that He exists, but that's not what we're talking about today. I mean, a lot of people today, they put a lot of confidence in just the fact that they, they believe there is a God. And I mean, I'm, I'd certainly rather you believe that there is a God than you sit here today and say, I don't even believe there is a God. I'd rather you believe there is a God. But you're really not really doing that much whenever you say it, I believe there's a God. I mean, the devil knows there's a God. Matter of fact, the devil knows that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So just knowing that there is a God, it does not make, make you saved. It does not make you a Christian. I mean, knowing that there is a God will not save you. James 2.19 says even the devils believe, yet they're lost. I mean, some people put great stock in reading the Bible, and I believe you should read your Bible. Most you young people today, you, you hear the name George Patton, you know, don't, don't even ring a bell to you. I'm, just at the, I'm, I'm still at the age, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm old enough, but I, I still remember the stories that my daddy told me about General George Patton. Most, most young people, they say, George who? But um, anyway, I, I, you know, they, they asked General Patton one day what he thought about the Bible, and he said, I read it every blankety-blank day. Well, he can read it every day all he wants to. I know nothing about him and his spiritual condition, but uh, he can read the Bible every day, but unless he puts it into practice and obeys and does what it says, it's not really going to do him any good, and it's not going to get him to heaven. You know, there is no magic in just reading the Bible. And again, you should read your Bible. Now, the Holy Spirit, once you get saved, the Holy Spirit enlightens and illuminates the Word of God. But there's no really no, no magic in just reading the Bible. There's, there's lots of folks that read the Bible, and they're going to die in their sin. They're going to go to hell. Matter of fact, some of the false religions out there today that are trying to proselyte Christians, they teach their missionaries to read the Bible and to study what we believe so that they know how to try to argue with you and contradict what you believe and what you're taught by the Word of God. But even though they're reading the Bible and they're studying even what the Bible says, if they don't believe it and don't put it into practice, they're still going to go to hell. Now, why is that? Well, it's in obeying and following God's Word that teaches men God's righteous ways. There's a lot of people that they put stock in thinking and meditating on God and His Word. I've heard many times somebody comment on a person that was in some kind of cult, and maybe they're not serving the Lord, and, and they'll say something like, yeah, but they really know their Bible. You know, the Bible is about God. But you, but you can read the Bible, and if you're, just, if you're good at retaining what you read, you can read the Bible, and you can know a lot about the Bible without knowing God. And you can actually read about God, and you can know a lot about God without knowing God. I mean, there's lots of, of great uh, figures in our society today, of presidents and leaders and people that I can read about them and I can learn about them, but I don't have the opportunity to actually get to know them. I can say I know about them maybe, but I can't say that I actually know them because I've never even met them. 
James says, Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, I'll show you my faith by my works. It says, You believe that there's one God and you do well, but James says that even the demons believe that there's a God and they tremble because they know there's a God. But again, they're not saved. The truth of the matter is if a person is saved, they're going to do what the Lord says. See, if they trust the Lord, they believe what he says that makes them obey the word of God. So if you don't want to obey the Bible, God gives every one of us the option to do that. God's not going to force himself on you. He's going to allow you to be disobedient if that's your choice. But if you refuse to do as God has said through the Bible to do, then don't call yourself a believer because your actions really show that you're not. If you don't want God to interfere with the way you, want, you like to live your life, that's okay. God will allow you to do that. God gives you the option that he won't interfere with your life if you don't want him to. But also, don't expect God to bless you. If you don't want to live as he says, which means to live a decent, respectable, abundant, and happy life, he'll allow you to live as you want to. However, don't expect to live a happy and productive life. Don't expect to win those in your family and your friends who are lost and on their way to hell. Don't expect to win them to Christ. If you don't exhibit to them the behavior that shows you believe the Lord Jesus Christ because you're doing what he said to do. Don't expect God to answer your prayers. Don't be alarmed when God begins to chasten you or to punish you, to correct you in your sins. God will chasten you and he'll allow things to happen in your life. Uh, not just because he's being a bully and he wants to just show you that you're going to have to do what he says. No. He's chastening you to correct you, to draw you back to him because he knows that coming back to him is going to bring blessings in your life. Now, if you're sitting here today and you say, well, I, I don't obey God and, and I don't feel like God's chastening me, well, then the Bible says if you don't get chastened when you disobey God, if you don't get chastened, that's a sign you don't belong to him. See, the, Lord, the Lord's not going to whip somebody else's child. And if you don't belong to him, then the Bible says you belong to your father, Satan. By not wanting to live as God commands, not working to live as God wants, basically you've told God to leave you alone. Don't bother me with your rules and your commandments. In reality, it's like you're saying to God, I know more than you. I know what makes me happy, and I know what's going to give me a good life. You have that choice. Brings us to point number two. We're given a blessing or a curse. We read from our text this morning in Deuteronomy that the word says, I'm setting it before you. You've got a blessing or you've got a curse. You're going to make a choice. God wants us to serve him because we choose to. The commandment says love God and keep his commandments. You keep God's commandments and you'll be strong. Those who do not obey the, the Lord are like tumbleweeds. They just go where the wind blows. Have you noticed how some people, when the troubling winds come, they get blown away? 
Sometimes when some church members have start having trouble, it's, it's easier for them just to lay out of church. Sometimes they have financial problems and then they think the answer maybe <clears throat> is to stop giving their tithes, giving their offerings to the Lord. Matter of fact, James chapter 1 verse 2 and 3 says, we're to rejoice when trials come our way. I know that's hard to do. I mean, I, I don't know of anybody that gets bad news and says, well, praise the Lord, I've got cancer. No, but the way that I think God wants us, when he says that we're to rejoice in our troubles and rejoice when things come into our life like that, it's because if we truly know him and we trust him, that we know that God loves us so very much that if he, loving us like he does, has allowed that thing to come into our life, then God must have a purpose and a plan. And he's going to do something through that. He's going to do something through that that's going to be great. He's going to do a wondrous work in our heart, in our life. And he's going to use that thing that we don't want to bring honor and glory to him. You know, sometimes God allows those things to mature us and to teach us patience and greater dependence on him. God's commandments and your days will be prolonged. If you keep his commandments, your days will be prolonged. I mean, just, just live like God wants you to live. And, and matter of fact, you'll live longer. See, God's way is to live a, to live a clean, pure life. They've done, they've done studies among uh, the public and the population, and they found out that professing Christians and practicing Christians have a, normally have a longer lifespan than those that are not. I mean, I believe it's called God's blessings. And uh, if you want to use drugs and drink alcohol and live the wild, carefree life and seek pleasures in the world and, and those kind of things, it's a good chance you'll die early. It reminds me of the woman that was walking down the street one day. She saw an old wrinkled up and hunched over man that appeared to be probably in his 90s or so without mowing his yard. She stopped. She told the man, she said, man, I sure hope I can still mow my yard myself when I'm your age. So what's the secret to your success? The old man stopped and turned the mower off and he wiped his forehead. He said, well, he said, I drink a six pack of beer every day, smoke two packs of Marlboros and I take a shot of Jack Daniels every night before I go to bed. Lady said, man, said, how old are you anyway? He said, 42. Well, you know, uh, as a general rule, that's, that's true. As a general rule, when you live a good, a good, uh, a good clean life, you'll, uh, you're going to be blessed. Verse 13 of uh, James says there, diligently obey God. This means with great attention and energy. So if you do those things that he's told you to do and you obey God, and don't just do it like he's just because you have to. I mean, don't don't have the attitude. Well, I, I don't really want to. I don't want to obey God, but I'm going to obey him because if I don't obey him, he's going to whip me. If I don't obey him, bad things are going to come my way. I mean, say I get to obey his word because I love him. What he did for me on the cross of Calvary. I mean, if God never does another thing for you the rest of your life, another blessing ever comes your way the rest of your life, you ought to praise Him, you ought to serve Him, you ought to love Him, you ought to obey Him the rest of your life because of what He's already done. 
You know, when you want to obey, when you obey God, do it with joy, do it with happiness. It's a thrill, it's a privilege to get to serve Him and obey Him. God's told us, if you'll do what I said to do, I'll, I'll, I'll give you rain. I'll send grass in your fields. He's, matter of fact, God says that our material prosperity is tied to our obedience in, in Him. Sometimes people, even professing Christians, will run a business. They'll conduct their business and their financial affairs without even giving a thought to what God has said. <clears throat> I'll never forget, I guess it's probably back when I was a teenager, and um, I, um, I knew this, I guess, because my dad was the pastor, and sometimes you, you just hear things being said, and, you, and you, you know, not everybody probably knew this, but there's a man in the church there, <clears throat> he, he was the highest uh, tither in the church. He gave more tithes and offerings than anybody else in the church there in Perry. And, and um, I remember one day he, he, he grew up from high school. His dad owned a uh, paint and body shop, and he just worked alongside his dad there. And they were very good at what they did. And the time came whenever he wanted to open his own shop and, and uh, have his own body shop. And he came to my dad, and he asked my dad, he said, uh, said, would you, do you think God will bless me? He said, I, I really, if I want to open my own shop and said, I, I, I want, I want to make sure that I have God's blessings. And, and my dad said, Hey, he said, you've always put God first and said, uh, I believe God will bless it. And so, uh, he had his grand opening there. And I remember his, when he had his grand opening, uh, we were all standing around there. My dad, uh, prayed over that business, asked the Lord to continue to bless that, that man and bless him in his new business venture, opening his own shop and, and, you know, God did. I mean, that guy wasn't very long. He's in a big, got a, a big new building with a lot of employees. And you know why? You know why God blessed that man like he did? Because that man was faithful to do what was right in regards to his tithes and his offerings. And I've seen that man. I mean, I don't, I don't ever remember a time that he missed a Wednesday night or any time. And then just his wife would say, you know, well, he's still working. Now, he might come in his work clothes on Wednesday nights. Whatever. But, I mean, that man put God first. And he, he was always there every time the doors opened. And God blessed him. You know, you believe what God is saying in his word here? You say you do, then you need to prove it by living your life, trusting in his promises and nothing else. And then the Lord says, if you'll carefully keep his commandments, you'll love the Lord, walk in his ways. His, the word says he'll even drive your enemies out. He said, I'll make you more powerful than those that oppose you. Now, what's God saying there? God will bless those that do right. And those that do wrong will suffer from their mistakes. And they'll suffer because they're doing wrong. And God says in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. <clears throat> I remember when I was pastoring up in Colorado a few years back, and I don't remember which year it was, but... <clears throat> One year, the first, the first Sunday of the year, I preached a message basically just with some instructions, similar to what I'd be doing here today. But I just preached a message of some instructions on how to be blessed in that new coming year. And uh, just some basic things from the Word of God about obeying Him and just doing the things God's told you to do. And if you'll do those things a year from now, you're going to be able to look back and say, I did what the preacher said to do because he gave it from God's word. 
And it's a year later, and God has blessed me. God's kept his promise, and I've seen myself grow spiritually. I'm better off financially. God has blessed me because of my obedience. So the, the year rolled around, and when it come time for the new year after that, the next new year, I just run out, I just preached the same message over again. And I, instead, I just added in, in, to the end of every point, I just added the words, what to tell you? You know, and, it, and it, it's, it's true because I preached this a year ago, and those of you that sat here today, that you listened to the Word of God, you listened to the Holy Spirit, and you did what I told you from the Word of God that you ought to do a year ago, you'll sit here today and you'll say, that's what he told me. He told me a year ago that if I do those things, God bless me. But I said, some of you are going to be sitting here today that you remember what I told you a year ago. You heard it. But you didn't put it into practice. You didn't do what I told you from the Word of God God wanted you to do. Now you look back and you're no better off. Either you're further from God than you were a year ago or you're no closer to Him today than you were a year ago. And God hasn't blessed you like He could have blessed you if you'd been like the other folks that obeyed and did what God wanted them to do. If you don't do what God wants you to do, then don't be upset by trouble that might come your way. In closing this morning... Again, we bring back the title of the message, Obedience Brings Blessings. Obedience is based on believing God. Not only believing that he's there. Like we already said, the devil knows that he's there. But trusting in him to allow him to have the rule in your life. See, doing right means that things will work out. Now, it may not work out the way we want it to work out. But if you just trust God, believe God, and obey God, his word says all things are going to work together for good. You put yourself in God's care whenever you obey him and just trust in him. Disobeying God is going to bring you trouble. It's going to... For those that die without obeying God in the most important of his instructions, that is to ask him to come into your heart, receive him as Lord and Savior, those folks, their disobedience to that command is going to result in their eternity in hell. Because the very first thing you can do in obedience to God, really, is to do what he said you need to do if you're lost. The word says that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's, none of us are righteous. But Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary and gave his life on the cross of Calvary. So that you could have everlasting life. All you got to do to receive him is just obey what he said. Admit you're a sinner. Believe that he died on the cross of Calvary. That he was buried on the third day, rose again, victorious over the grave and over hell. You believe that and you trust that for your salvation. And you just ask him to come into your heart and be your Lord and Savior. That first step of obedience and just doing what he said to do for salvation can be the start of a lifetime of obedience and blessings like you've never imagined. If you're here this morning and you've never, in your heart, repented of your sins, you've never received Christ as your Savior, that's his first command to you. It's just that you come to him and be saved. This morning, do you believe God? Do you do what he wants you to do? That's his command. Those of you this morning that are Christians, and I think most of us here today are, are you really letting God advise you in your life?
Many times we wait till the, we've got it in such a mess that we can't think of anything else we can do to get us out of it. And then, then as a last resort, we'll go to God and say, God, what can I do? You should have asked him in the beginning. I mean, if we, talk to him before you get yourself in that mess. And I, I mean, I've done the same thing. I've done that too. I mean, I, I've, I've let myself get in messes many times. And, and thankfully, many times God's come to my rescue and God's got me out of, out of my messes that I made on my own. But God's graciously provided a way out when I turned to him and said, God, I'm sorry, I've messed up. I just need you to help me get out of this. And help me to obey you better. Help me to follow your word better. You know, are you living the best life that you can? I guarantee you, you're not living the best life you can if you're not obeying Him. Because you can never be blessed in your life better by not obeying Him than you can by obeying Him. What are you going to do this morning? Or are you going to stay with those maybe that miss out on the blessing of salvation? Are you going to stay with those that maybe are nominal Christians that they're saved, but they just have nominal blessings because they've never truly just sold out and said, you know what, I'm just going to make my mind up and I'm going to promise God, Lord, if you'll help me, I'm going to do my best to absolutely obey everything that you've told me to do. I was reminded last night, I had a conversation with my wife, but my mom and dad were both, they were the first Christians in both of their families. And, uh, of course, they didn't know each other as teenagers, but they both got saved as teenagers, and they both got saved in um, this revival. He lived off out in the country, and there wasn't even any churches out there. And so somebody came and held, put up a brush arbor or something, just had a, a uh, revival in the summer or something, and they went to revival. And, and both of them got saved in separate like those situations, summertime revivals, but they got saved but never didn't really start going to church because there wasn't even a church. Nobody even invited them to a church. It was nothing around close. And, and so they ended up down the road, of course, and they were, my dad went into to the military. Went, he was in World War II. When he came back, he and my mom met and got married. And a short while after they got married, then uh, the Ramsar Baptist Church in Paris, Texas, had a, they had a, Revival meeting, a crusade out in the city park. And my mom and dad went to that crusade. And God got a hold of their hearts in that revival meeting and convicted them and said, you know, we're saved. We have done what God asked us to do and asked him to be our Lord and Savior. But we ain't been going to church. We've not been serving him. We need to get our hearts and lives right and just, just sell out and just start doing what God says we ought to do. I've heard my dad give a testimony many times. He said, we just, from that, that night on, so we went to church every time the doors were open. If the preacher got up and anything he told us out of this book that we should do or should not do, he said, we just did it. We just did what God said to do from his word. And God began to bless my mom and dad. And, and uh, they began to witness to their families on both sides. Today, on both sides of my, uh, my mom's side, my dad's side, almost every one of them, almost all of them saved all, all of them serving God today and, and, and obeying God. Many of them are preachers and, and deacons and, and different kinds of uh, other service areas that they work in. And all started back with my mom and dad kneeling at an altar in a city park in a crusade saying, God, we've not done this so far, but from this night on, we want to start obeying you. 
We want to start doing what you said do. We want blessings to be on our life. And God blessed their lives. And many, many souls have been saved and come to Christ and serving God even still today because of that decision that they made that night in Wade's Park in Paris, Texas. God's set the table for us this morning. Is it going to be a blessing or is it going to be a curse? The choice is yours this morning. Let's all stand together. Dear Holy Father, we thank you for the privilege of being here this morning. And Lord, you've, you've set before us, as your word says, a blessing or a curse. Everybody that's in this room today, they can leave here blessed or they can leave here with a curse hanging over their head because they've chosen not to obey you. Lord, if there's anybody here this morning that they have not ever accepted you as Lord and Savior, I pray, God, that you'll just speak to their hearts, convict them of their need for salvation, convict them of their need to obey you in that most important of all commandments, and that is to come to you and believe on you, repent of our sins, believe on you and ask you to come into our heart and be our Lord and Savior. Lord, if there's someone here today that they're saved, they're a child of God, but Lord, they're just not truly obeying you in everything, not really being blessed like they could be. Or I pray you'll just give them the courage to come forward and just kneel at this altar and ask you to Help them to be obedient like they should be. Or I don't, I don't know any of the folks that are here today. I don't really know any of them on a very personal level. And I don't know what's going on in their lives. But I don't know any of us here today that wouldn't like to have your blessings. I don't know anybody here today that wouldn't, couldn't stand to have a greater walk with you or a more blessed life than what we have today. And Lord, you've given us the answer. The answer is in obedience. The answer is in doing what you've asked us to do. Have your will and weigh the invitation. These things we ask in your name. Amen. You come if God's spoken to your heart.